and welcome back to the Looking After Nature podcast. I'm Lottie and I'm a Community Engagement Officer for the Hampshire Countryside Service. And on today's episode, I'm joined by Becky, who's an Education and Community Officer for the Hampshire Countryside Service. And we'll be talking about how and why to get young people out into nature. Today's episode is a very special one as it's in partnership with Fostering Hampshire Children. Every 12 hours, another child in Hampshire enters the care system in need of a foster carer. Fostering Hampshire Children's goal is to recruit 150 new foster households by the end of 2023, supporting some of our county's most vulnerable children. If you want to find out more about fostering a child in Hampshire, including allowances, support and requirements, their website will be linked in the show notes. Thanks for joining me today, Becky. How are you? really well thank you very much good thank you so much for joining me for the podcast obviously we've both been teenagers before we both like going outside going in the outdoors so what did nature mean to you as a teenager i've always been involved in nature my father got me involved in nature we used to go up onto harting down and have walks on a weekend followed by always the ice cream van which was very good and i went to university and did an outdoor ed course so Always throughout my life, I've always been surrounded by being outdoors. I did canoeing. I did I did a lot of walking. My family were very keen on just planting and growing. And so I've always been surrounded by it. It is something that I've always loved and I will continue to love. And I'm hopefully given that to my children. So you would say that you're somebody that's always had a strong connection with nature throughout your life. Yes. But am I right in thinking that young people start connecting less with nature at around the age of 11? So as soon as they're going into that secondary school Yeah, they've actually done a study from the University of Derby that shows that they don't really reconnect until they're 30, which is actually quite late, really. But I think it's possibly when you start to realise that health and well-being-wise, being outside is probably the way forward. So why why do you think that we have that disconnect? Because I remember when I would say my teenage years were different to yours. We were not kayaking. We were not camping. But I do remember playing outside when I was in my younger years. So in primary school, when I would be going down to the river, when we would be yeah. going around the pond, pond dipping, even just playing out in the school fields or, you know, the local recreational grounds playing frisbee. But then I do remember that there's this period between from when I was 11 up until probably until my mid 20s, where I was not engaging with the outdoors. I was not going outside on woodland walks or anything like that. So why do you think there is this disconnect? I think it's probably more prevalent now than it was when I was a teenager. I think technology plays a huge part in this. I see it with my own children. They connect to others very differently. When I was that age, I connected through my friends by getting on my bicycle and riding to my mate's house. And I would be out all day. You know, I'd phone mum to say that I've got there. And my children, they don't need to leave the house to do that. They connect through TikTok. They connect through all the different other social media outlets where we actually had to physically go and see our friends, which was different. But you also, I think when you, you hit teenage years, you do go through that massive emotional roller coaster of your hormones and you do want a, your own space. So you do hide up in your own bedroom. And it is, you know, people have said that actually a teenage bedroom is a sanctuary, isn't it? But I think it's slightly different to when I was a child, you know, I grew up in the 80s 90s 
now it's it's more kind of like it's all about technology and it's all about connecting through those things and actually technology makes makes you have these quick they they are everything's answered really quickly if you see what I mean and and nature's not quick in that sense so would you say that the teenagers of today have almost a bit of a although they have such quick access to communicating with their friends they actually have quite a solitary yeah absolutely solitary world that they're in if you're saying that you know your teenager goes you know they come home from school they go straight upstairs Mm -hmm. and then you won't see them till dinner time because they're chatting to their friends whereas when I was younger I didn't have yes I had a mobile phone but I didn't have things like Snapchat or Instagram or those sorts of platforms if you wanted to talk to your friend you could either give them a phone call or years before that you waited until Monday morning when you'd see them at the bus stop yeah or you waited until they knocked on your door and then you didn't want to stay in your house and also I found I shared a bedroom with my sister so I didn't want to go and chill out in my bedroom because my little sister was there whereas today I'm noticing that you buy a house these days or you live in houses tends to have you have your own room my girls have got their own room I never had that I don't know about you if you shared growing up no there were moments when I would share with my sister as well so you wanted that bit of escapism out of your room escapism was going outside it was getting on your bicycle it was we used to ride to a stream that's not far from here and we used to build dams and do things like that which was amazing but I also think the world has changed in the sense of we perceive it to be a more dangerous place I don't know whether it is a more dangerous place to when I was growing up but 24-hour news kind of highlights it all the time whereas when we were a kid you had six o'clock news your mum and dad watched it we never did it didn't flash up and everything so actually we were gone all day no one worried about us so that's really interesting because then that could follow on to the fact that do we have a bigger anxiety with our teenagers going outdoors so is it following on from our fears into our children that we don't want them to go outside because of what we see in the media and everything like that. And unknowingly, we're building up this connection between or lack of connection between our teenagers and the outdoors through our own fears. Possibly. I think you you do worry about your children. And I'm not saying my parents didn't worry about us because of course they did. But you worry because you don't know where they've gone. You worry because you've got a lot more roads a lot more cars you've got a lot more things happening and I think you do worry about it but being outside is phenomenal and I think it's so important to reconnect back into nature especially with our teenagers because teenagers have they I think have really suffered through being locked down you know with COVID I saw it with my own kids they were learning online they were always at home and luckily, because we're very much an outdoor family, we went out on our hours walk, we did our cycling, we did all these, kind. we took the dog out and stuff like that. But I see it now when I'm teaching older children, they're struggling, they are struggling. I think it really has got something to do with that kind of, like you said, that being very insular. But there are these stresses that face teenagers in the sense of, first of all, the social anxiety of being a teenager. And then as soon as they start secondary school, they are hit with this fear of that the nearing the end of their secondary school career, that they have got these crucial exams. They have got these exams that they're made to feel that it's going to dictate the rest of their life. And your attitude now will impact your future, your attitude towards your exams. So I imagine there's a lot of stress and anxiety 
that's built up into teenagers to succeed. When you put it into perspective, they're only stepping stones. They're stepping stones to your next part of your life. And if you do well, you have an easier route. If you don't do so well, you take a few bends in the roads to get to it. But the stress is there. And I did, this is what I did with my daughter, actually. When she was really stressed out and she couldn't cope, I would tell her to put her work away and would go for a walk. I took her for a walk and um, would either chat or just being outside. It could be just a good old 45 minutes, but I'm back in. And she'd often go, mum, I feel better now. And that's, that is really one of the powers of being outside. So this is where we need to look at how can being outside actually benefit our teenagers? How is it that being in this happy place, this environment, this growing, this nurturing environment can help our teenagers and getting that across to our teenagers? I've seen teenagers who have come from very difficult backgrounds and they're stressed and you get them out. You just things like forest school, bushcraft days, you see their shoulders relax. You see them when they're just like whittling or doing a bit of weaving or something. You just see them just calm down and concentrate on that one thing at that one time. Teenagers' brains must be like an absolute hickledy-pickledy mess with things just going boom, 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 boom all the time of all the things they've got to do. And actually... When you're outside, you've got to be in the moment. You've got to be, you're watching things, you're hearing things, you're listening to the birds. It might be raining, the feel of the rain. I think you just calm down. Oh, it's just great, isn't it? It's great for them. How you get that through to them is the difficult bit. It's because it's getting them from their bedroom, off their technology and outside. And let's be honest, that is no easy feat. So how do we encourage that? How can we get our teenagers outside? Because you and I, we will go out on a walk through the woods. We'll hear the rustle of the trees, the twittering of the birds, and we'll stand there and we'll take that breath and we will feel so much better. And it's interesting that you mentioned forest school because forest school is all about those early years for kids and how they develop and how they build confidence and self-esteem. And it's such a push and a drive for children in early years. But then, like you say, it stops when they get to 11 years old. What can we do as parents to encourage our teenagers out into nature? I think it's it's showing your teenager that it's actually a good thing to go for a walk. It's almost as if they need a reason to go for the walk, you know, to take the dog for the walk. Let's go and get ourselves a hot chocolate while we have the walk. Let's take our own flask of hot chocolate. Let's go and have a treat up on the hill kind of thing. But also think things like the John Muir Award, the Duke of Edinburgh Award, you know, that's hitting bronzes, what, when you're 13 years old. So it's about, for teenagers, accessing the outdoors can be done in a way by achieving something, a goal. Maybe that's what, you know, we have to do is we have to be able to create these achievable moments for our teenagers, like things like the Duke of Edinburgh Award, where kids have to map out their route. They're going on these excursions. They've been given ownership of going out, you know, with their friends. They're still with their friends. They've been given this responsibility, but then they have the support of schools organizations groups parents and i think that's the key thing they're going with their friends yeah the key to teenagers is they're trying to develop themselves so they need to be with the friends and actually that's what the duke and the emperor does do it builds resilience it builds team building and friendships you know you're going on two days walks and then camping at the end of it in the middle of generally you're in a field somewhere and actually 
it's it's an experience isn't it and a lot of teenagers that do the Duke of Edinburgh are ones that do carry on to enjoy I think enjoy the outdoor lifestyle and Duke of Edinburgh and those sorts of organizations they're accessible for all aren't they you don't have to be living in the middle of the countryside to be able to access platforms like the Duke and of that Edinburgh. is the beauty of it the beauty of both of Jumia and Duke of Edinburgh it is available to every single person and I think that's why they work so well. You know, you can join up from school. The Jumyur, you can do as a family. The Duke of Edinburgh, you can go with a group of friends. You can do it with a group within your school. You can do it out of school. You can do it on your time you as can. well. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, we don't want to say to a teenager, you have to do this and you have to do it within this time frame. You want to give them ownership. You also want them to have their input into it and let them have a say. And I think I think that's what it's also about is giving them a goal, but also involving them, allowing them to be part of that process. I also think it doesn't discriminate against anybody. It doesn't matter if you're not that clever at school. If you're not you're not a high achiever at school, it doesn't matter. If you're not academic, I think the words. If you're not mm. academic, it doesn't matter. Yeah, you might not be a great walker. Well, that's all right. You take it at your own pace. Or actually, we're not going to do walking for yours. We're going to do kayaking for yours. It's just made for everyone and everyone can do it. And I think that's brilliant. So we've got these great organisations like the John Muir and then we also have Duke of Edinburgh. But also, what other avenues could we go down to be able to engage our teenagers with the outdoors? Even if we look at something as just a simple activity. Do we still look on the same basis where they're achieving something? Are they doing an activity like orienteering where they're having to take the ownership themselves and, you know, they're developing a skill along the way? I think it's it's always good if they if they can take something from it, whether it's a skill or even whether it's a memory, you know, that they remember years down the line and then all of a sudden they're 40 and they're going in the kayak and they go, oh, do you remember that time when we went kayaking and I flipped the boats, but it was the best time and I've always enjoyed kayaking since then? So there's lots of things out there to be able to engage the teenagers. I, th I think also you can do things like volunteer, you can, for groups, you can do monitoring, like butterfly surveying. You might not want to walk miles on your Duke and Venebra, but you might actually connect to the countryside through volunteering and come in and do some some monitoring or some activity kind of like that. There's there's so many different ways that you can connect to the countryside and to just the outdoors. The nice thing about volunteering is that you are taking ownership, you're contributing to something that actually is really important in our society today regards climate change, sustainability, mm. all of those things, which the generation now, the teenagers now, is something that's going to impact them a lot down the line. And they need to be able to sort of say, I was somebody that, you know, put myself forward and was able to do something about it. You know, have that, have that sense of, yes, that's what I did, whether... Whether, like you say, it's doing surveys or doing conservation tasks, getting involved with, you know, your local country parks yeah. or local nature reserves, helping in that sense during the summer holidays, giving a couple of hours where you can support something and having that sense of achievement and patting yourself on the back going, yeah, I did that. That was me. And going forward and then telling your friends about it. 
I think it gives them a sense of purpose and a sense of ownership, especially if you go to a particular place, maybe your local park, you might do a litter pick. I know to some teenagers that might be the worst thing possible to do, but actually, if you put your time into a place, then you'll normally want to look after it. Exactly. And actually, a litter pick is a prime example of where it can become very competitive. And teenagers are competitive. So maybe turn it into a game of some sort. Make it a little bit competitive. Get your friends along and go and do a litter pick. Go and find all those things. Who can find the most, first of all? And then before you know it, it's something that you start doing regularly. And, and you feel good about yourself when you've done it as well. And absolutely. We've talked before where we've used technology. You know, we've asked them on their phones to download tree identification apps and actually gone for a walk and said, OK, let's see if we can identify this one. And they, they seem to be much more engaged because they're working out themselves what the tree is and stuff like that. It's a familiar piece of equipment that is with them constantly. <laughs> and if you're able to engage that into an activity, then you are halfway there. I think it's great. Going around and finding out what you have, even in your garden, in your local parks, walking down the streets. If you're somebody that you know lives in a city, you're still going to have wildlife creeping around the place. If you're somebody that's really into your tech, there are cameras that you can put out to see what wildlife might be roaming around your area and you can download that and then you can monitor it. And that's something that's especially for those tech savvy kids. That's a really nice activity to sort of connect the two. I remember you talked about orienteering. Another really good one is geocaching. Oh, yeah. Ge geocaching is fantastic. So geocaching is where people hide. It could be small little boxes, big little boxes, but you're given a set of coordinates and you have to go and find. It's like a treasure hunt. There's millions all over the world and you can do one in your cities. You can. There's ones in the country park. And the idea is you then, again, bring it back to technology. You're following the grid reference on your phone to where this location is. And then you've got to hunt for what you're finding. And some of them are as small as like an old film canister to like a lunchbox size. And then you you find it. And then sometimes you hide tokens in there. And the tokens could be a rubber. It could be a little, an old coin. And then you take that coin, you replace it with something else. And then you go and do another geocache somewhere else in the country and you leave it there. I've done them with my girls before. We looked for them. We've gone onto the geocaching website and we found them under bridges, posts and things like that. But also on the top of bus shelters and things like that. It's incredible where they hide them. And um, it's a really good way of getting teenagers. It gives them a reason to get outside, get walking, take the dog with you. It's fantastic. That's what it's about, isn't it? Yeah. It's about having that goal. Mm. And I think what we've learned just from chatting here is that it's about having something achievable, having something that they can say, yes, that is what I did. And I succeeded in doing it. And that was good fun. And I think adding in that competitive element to an activity outdoors, that I feel is what's going to bring our teenagers outdoors into nature. You can just go onto the website and literally you, you can put in your area and then it will come up with all the geocaches in your area. And then you can basically put the code in and then you're like off. And it's a it is literally a treasure hunt. And the kids and teenagers love it because they, they want to be the first ones to find it. So it's all it's all accessible. Totally accessible. And that's what we need it to be. It needs to be accessible for all. It can't just be accessible for one community or one area. It needs to be 
accessible for everybody. And I think a lot of these activities, like the geocaching, like the orienteering, and like we said about the Duke of Edinburgh, there is no cost involved. No. So if you are somebody who's living in the middle of a city, how about you set the challenge when it comes to like map reading or anything like that? Finding your way from your house to another significant area within the city, whether it's a take, for instance, you live in the middle of Portsmouth and you have to navigate yourself all the way over to somewhere as distinctive as a Spinnaker Tower. You know, how can you do that goal? And also, what time can you do that in? Can you beach clean the entirety of South Sea seafronts? There's so many goals there that are actually achievable goals that are accessible for everybody. Cities have small urban parks that, you know, they have them skidding around. Some, so the cities have some of the most amazing wildlife, you know, with all your foxes, you've got your little birds and bird feeders. You could, if you wanted to bring nature indoors, you know, you could plant a few plants in a little pot and see what happens. You could, you've got to think outside the box, really. Don't think that actually nature only happens in the countryside. It doesn't. It's happening everywhere. But you need to open your eyes to it. You need to look for it. You need to see where it is. You need to listen. You know, like you said, Portsmouth has right in the centre, it's got Victoria Park. You're right next to the, the seafront. Go for a beach clean. Like you said, go for a walk. Go and turn over a rock on the beach. What's living under there? I'm sure some of the teenagers would scream and won't want to do it, but <laughs> you'll find all sorts of interesting things. You know, find a pebble. Where did that pebble come from? Think about it. You know, it's just, you could just walk along South Sea Seafront and feel the breeze. You. you don't need anything to do that. You just need to have a bit of an imagination and take yourself on a journey. And just that gumption to go, let's just go outside. Right. So we now know what we can do outside. Now, the biggest problem is how we get them outside. How do we get our teenagers out of their rooms and outdoors into nature? Bearing in mind, these are teenagers, okay? These are not younger children who have to go with you. You have to do a lot more coerciveness to bring a teenager outside. So what do you do? That's how I do it. Go for it. I bribe them. <laughs> if you come for a walk, <laughs> I'll buy you hot chocolate. During COVID, it used to be an ice cream. An ice cream from the garage at the top of the road. I used to send my husband in to get it and he'd buy, so he'll take the, the chance. He'll buy four ice creams and then we'd go for the walk. I know it, it, it sounds ridiculous, but also coffee shops, they love it. They love it. How would you get your niece out? So I like you say about ice creams. Going back to the beach clean idea, I would say to my niece, hey, do you want to go down to the beach? We can walk along the beach. We can throw a couple of stones in there. Oh, by the way, there's an ice cream shop. <laughs> Did you want to get an ice cream while we're down there? Oh, okay. <laughs> so so although it's okay, there's a little bit of bribing going on, but then it becomes more of an experience. About what people used to do. They used to go out and have picnics. I do you think that, that was the original tactic? We need to get the kids outdoors. I've got an idea. Let's have a picnic. We'll go to the local park. We'll get them running around, climbing trees, all sorts of lovely stuff. And then they can have a little snack while they're there. So I, I think, you know, using those sorts of methods work. But then also, if you think about it, like you said earlier about using your camera for activities, like, well, bring your phone with you because I'd really like you to try out this new editing app or picture app on some of the local wildlife. You know, can, can you like change it or is there a app where you can go on a treasure hunt 
with that. So it's like going, yeah, you can bring your phone along. Yeah, that's absolutely fine. Because, you know, you've got to remember this generation have their phones glued to them and they can't go anywhere without it. Well, okay, bring it along. And I think this is a fabulous idea. I think and I think we're missing the, the good old fashioned park as well. I don't think you ever go out of sit on the swing and try to swing as high as you can. I don't think you ever grow old of that. I, I still sit on the swings. And but then I'm past that 30 year old stage where I've connected back with nature. I think you're right. I think everybody, yeah, but I think as adults, we all have that child yeah. element in us. I mean, if you go den building and you see the dad's den building, they're brilliant. Yeah. And they are just bringing out their, their inner child. And when you think about a teenager going out with their parents, their dad or their mum, or they go and build these amazing dens. And it's like, I just had this crazy experience where I just went den building with my parents in the woods. I think and one thing I remember from being a kid, actually, is when we used to go into the garden and we used to do things like play badminton. That time with your parent, even if it was just for 10, 15 minutes playing badminton, it was your time. And I sometimes think as parents, we forget that actually just stop, have five minutes with them in, you know, doing activities they want to do. You know, it could be knocking a football in the back garden. My daughter's 13. She likes doing that. And if I say, do you fancy going to have a kick around in the back garden or do you fancy walking to the park and having doing this? Again, it's that kind of let's go do this and we can do this kind of thing. But you're connecting with your kids. And I think that's really important because then they'll open up to you and say, Mum, I've had a really rubbish week this week. Yes. Just for walk, going for a walk down to your park to kick a football. You might have had to bribe them with a hot chocolate and a piece of flapjack or chocolate cake in my case. But it's those times that really you can get talking to them. And I think most teenagers will go out if they're going to get a piece of chocolate cake. There you are. The way to every teenager's heart. Food. <laughs> You like ice creams. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I hope you found some new ways to inspire the young people in your life to connect with nature. Make sure you tag us in pictures of your time in the outdoors on social media. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to leave us a review wherever you listen, as this helps other people find us. And if there's anything you want to hear us talk about, get in touch. Thank you for listening to Looking After Nature, and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.